0: Are you ready for God's Word? All right, man. I I feel more energized just already, just with that. Um, But I want to thank you, Josh, so much. Uh, The anointing is uh, carried through Josh's fingers onto the keyboard, transferred to me. (laughs) And uh, so I want to jump into the Word. It really connects with what God was speaking in at the end of worship. And so I want you to carry that connection into the Word. Will you do that for me? Um, the heart of the Father. So how many here, or maybe that are online with us, can be honest that maybe at times you struggle in a relationship with Jesus? Maybe you feel frustrated at times, um, disappointed. Maybe you feel like God's far away. Um, Or you feel like maybe he's not concerned with what's going on with you. Maybe you built a wall, you keep up a guard, or you feel like you've done too much bad so that he he stays away, he keeps his distance from you. Maybe you're fear, fearful that if he gets too close, he might see some of your issues. Uh, Newsflash, he sees them anyway. So um, maybe he, you think he might ask you to give up some things, some habits, some relationships. Um, maybe you sincerely want to grow closer to God. I know I do, but just at times, I feel like you do everything you know how to do and there's still a distance there. There's still, still feel far away from her, still feel disconnected. Anybody feel like that at times? Sometimes maybe you you do all the right things. You know, we go to church, we go to life group, we read, we pray, uh, but we still feel like something missing, that there is more. Anybody feel that way? I have good news for you. There is more. And we're going to unpack that together today because I know, I know because we're human beings, we all struggle. We all struggle in this journey of relationship with Jesus. It's not easy because we have skin on and it gets in the way. Anybody's minds get in the way? All right. So you are my people. (laughs) You're my people. But. We're going to explore that together today. Today will change your life, if you will let it. I believe that with all my heart. And so now that I've set the bar really, really high, let's go. OK. <laughs> the word I have to share and challenge you with today comes from the story of Jacob in Genesis. And so, as I like to do, I want to kind of read you into the story so you kind of know. I, I don't. Sometimes I take it for granted everybody kind of knows the Bible stories. I grew up with, like Pastor, you've heard Pastor mention the flannel board. You know, so we had all the Bible characters and... Uh, not everybody had that benefit. And so um, I'm going to kind of read you into the story as I get started today. Um, also, just so you know, Pastor Jess gave me permission to go long because pastor's serving in Pathway Kids. So um, I'm not going to do that to you, actually. But but just so you know, uh, he and Mo are back there serving in Pathway Kids today. Um, but the word I have to share comes from Jacob's story. And this is the son of Isaac. The grandson of Abraham, who's known as the father of our faith. All right. And so we meet Abram 11 chapters into Genesis. We're going to spend most of our time in Genesis today. Uh, but Abram is a pagan. And God chooses to connect with him and to, to make this covenant with him. And, and this is two generations later. So you're, you, most of you are probably familiar with Abraham. Uh, then he had Isaac. He and Sarah had Isaac late. So Abraham was 100, Sarah was 90. Can't even imagine. Um, <laughs> Elaine and I are 46th, and we had this conversation the other day. It was like, Can you imagine having a-? I'm like, no? I cannot imagine. I do not want to. <laughs> we got two, we're good. It's man to man defense, right? No, we're going to go into the zone. But, um, but so they have Isaac, and then Isaac ultimately has twins, uh, Jacob and Esau. And so how many are familiar with a little bit about Jacob and Esau? You may have heard about them before. That's where we're going to spend our time, with Jacob. And so we're going to pick up in Genesis chapter 25, verse 19. This is the count of the family line of Abraham's son, Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel the Aramean from Paddan Aram. Hey, I'm doing the best I can on these, so y'all just give me grace. The sister of Laban, the Aramean, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless, and the Lord answered his prayer, and his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her, and she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger, When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. What a pretty baby that must have been. (laughs) So they named him Esau. Um, And I'm going to talk a little bit about names of the Bible and what they mean. Uh, Esau means hairy. Um, You don't meet many Esaus these days. Maybe that's why. But after this, his brother came out, and with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. And Jacob in the Hebrew actually has a lot of meaning. It means heel grabber, uh, to circumvent, as if by tripping the heels. It can also uh, lend itself to conniving tendency to hold back others in order to advance oneself. Deceiver. I would rather have the name Esau, just saying, you know. And if your name is Jacob, uh, luckily, there's a beautiful story of redemption that happens, and so don't worry, (laughs) don't worry. (laughs) Um, But Isaac, Jacob's father, his name meant he laughs, and that was from, of course, when uh, Abraham and Sarah found out they were pregnant, and they laughed. Um, Then Abraham himself, when he was known as Abram, his name meant exalted father, And then when God cut covenant with him and renamed him and put the breath of God in him, the ha in him, it changed his name and identity to the father of a multitude of nations. And so names are really important. And we're going to, how many have been given names in your life? Maybe not even necessarily birth names, but names that other people have given to you, or maybe other names that you've given to yourself. And we're going to talk about that some today. And so I believe with all my heart that what we see in Jacob's story is found one of the clearest pictures of God's heart for our journey in relationship with him. I believe that. You're going to see it today as we kind of unpack it together. Um, Jacob was the third in scripture that's recorded receiving the Abrahamic covenant from God and the one who was literally the father of the children whose namesakes became the 12 tribes of Israel. So this is a pretty big deal. Uh, these, This story, as we unpack it today, I want you to keep that in mind. Ultimately, Jacob will become the beginning of the nation of Israel. And so I, the title for our message today probably won't make a whole lot of sense just yet, but I promise it will by the time we finish today. And that title is Struggling for FaceTime. Struggling for FaceTime. Pray with me. Father, we just pronounce you as the only spirit of power here today. Lord, I pray that these open hearts and open minds would be fertile soil for your word, that it would come to fruit and fruition in their life. Thank you for it, Father. We trust you and we look forward to all that you're gonna show us today in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So how many of you have someone in your family or maybe your circle that it's kind of difficult to get FaceTime with? (laughs) <laughs> you are that person <laughs> uh, my parents would probably say it's my brother and I uh, <laughs> they're here <laughs> looking at me um sometimes but uh when when I was young- when Jackson rather was younger my eighteen year old when he was when he was a little boy, he was real busy and he was always into something he was always talking a lot and um and that's true today. Um, but he he had such a sweetheart, such a sweet disposition. Uh, It was always entertaining what he was talking about, so I literally have a recording still on my phone from when he was seven and eight years old, and he would just talk and tell stories and tell tell me about uh, one time he was talking about what he learned at school, which is how many hours of sleep we need depending on how old we are. (laughs) Um, But at times, I wanted to get his attention because I had something to tell him. And I would, I would have trouble getting his attention. And so literally there were times where I would have to go up to him and cup my hands around his face and, and pull him in and say, hey, buddy, daddy needs to talk to you. And it would take that sometimes to get him to lock eyes with me and lock in to what I was saying so that I could deliver whatever was the burden of my heart. Um, how many have had that experience maybe in your own children, <laughs> right? Uh, certainly, I think God the Father sometimes feels that way about us, right? We, we get pretty busy sometimes, and sometimes it takes a moment like we just had in worship where, hey, let's just, honey, baby, just, just listen, listen to what daddy's got to say. So I want you to think about, think about that. Um as we look at Jacob's story and specifically his evolving relationship with God. Cuz I think we see we can if we look and be honest with ourselves, we can see ourselves in Jacob's story. I love Jacob's story cuz it's another one of those in the Bible that lets me know that I don't have to have it all right for God to be with me and be for me and to work out his will through me. Um this journey that he took ultimately led him to a struggle for FaceTime. And so I want to summarize kind of the rest of this and get you into the story like the felt board. So imagine my felt board. Um, and I'm going, to, I'm going to read from the mask version. How many have heard of that version? You have not because it's Mark's abbreviated super condensed version. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but I don't want to leave you out. If you don't know, kind of, we, we got to know where we're we're coming from to get where we're going. So, in Genesis 25, as the brothers grew up, Esau became an outdoorsman. He was a hunter gatherer. Jacob was a quiet man that the, the Bible says stayed among the tents. Now, that phrase in the Bible, I always kind of just being honest, thought Jacob to be kind of a sissy. I did. I thought well, Esau is the rugged outdoorsman, and you know, Jacob just hangs back with mom and them. You know. Um, but if you really look, which I did, I was curious to find out kind of what, is, what does that mean? Stayed among the tents. You actually find that in their culture, it would have meant he was a student um, and he was real studious. It also would, have, if you look at his story, you can see that he also would have been tending sheep. So he would have been a shepherd. His, his, his uh, future wife, Rachel, was a shepherdess. When he leaves mama's house for the first time, he goes first to talk to the shepherds. So you know that this is a guy that He's, he's not this little puny guy that just sat around, you know, in the tent all day long. Uh, also, you can see a, a little measure of his strength when you see him meet his future wife, Rachel, and he rolls the stone away by himself from the watering hole. So he wasn't a puny little dude. He actually kind of had a lot going on. And so that helped me. I don't know, it has nothing to do with this message, but I wanted to share that with you. <laughs> and hopefully, hopefully that'll enhance your Bible knowledge as you, as you read in the future. Uh, but he was a quiet man. Now, the scripture says, Isaac loved Esau and Rebecca loved Jacob. Pro-parenting tip, okay? Love your children equally. <laughs> Part of these guys' problems is that mom and dad pick sides. And, that, and it didn't get better from there. And so um, Esau came in famished one day from hunting. Uh, Jacob just so happened to have some red stew, which was uh, Esau's favorite. And rather than die, according to scriptures, what Esau was saying, he gave up his birthright to Jacob. Jacob was really quick on his feet, and he he made him swear an oath for the stew. It must have been some really good stew. Um, either that or Esau was not all that sharp. I'm not real sure <laughs> which it was, but... Either way, Esau despised his birthright. Then Genesis twenty-seven, we see Isaac. This is Jacob and Esau's now very old uh, father approaching death. He's also very, very blind, as you can see in scripture. But he calls in Esau and tells him his days are numbered. He says, "Go hunt and kill me some wild game to make my favorite chili," so he could bestow the firstborn blessing on him. Then Mom Rebecca was snooping. She is this 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 lady is always snooping. Like if you look in the, her account in the scripture. Um, he intercepted the, she intercepted the plan and called in Jacob and set up the con using local sourced goats for the special chili, uh, goat hair for his arms and neck. Still amazing that worked, but you just have to realize that, you know, his his dad was really blind and really old. And so um, they also took Esau's clothes. And so if you look at this, it's not hard to figure out where Jacob's deceitfulness genes came from, um, from, from mama. So Jacob comes in, and he lies three times to his blind father about being Esau, and he gets Esau's blessing. Immediately after he leaves, Esau comes in with his version of the special chili, but this time from Free Range Game, and he and Isaac figure out real quick that they've been duped. And so Genesis 27, 36, this is Esau, he says, "'Isn't he rightly named Jacob?' For he has deceived me these two times. He took my birthright, and now he's taken my blessing. Jacob is living up to his name and his reputation. And we see Esau weep bitterly. He receives a much, much lesser blessing from his dad. Then he vows to kill Jacob right after his father passes away. And an old snooping mama Rebecca again hears this and warns Jacob, who sets out headed to Uncle Laban's place at his mom's urging with the thought of hopefully in time, Esau will soften and forgive his brother. I think it's important to note, Jacob sets out with nothing. We all have a day like Jacob. And this is what I want you to catch from this part of the story. We all have a day where we have to set out away from mom and dad. And we all have to set out away from grandpa. In Jacob's case, we're talking about grandpa being the father of our faith as he would later be known. And Jacob being a follower of God and a friend of God. But what you can see in Jacob's story that we're about to look at, and I specifically want the younger people to dial this in, but this applies to all of us. That you see in this, this is the moment, whether it's a physical stepping out away from the household or a spiritual one, where you have to own decide to own your relationship with God. And so I have two points to share with you today. And unlike pastor, this does make the message shorter. So um, <laughs> I'm giving him a hard time because he's not in here. <laughs> i may catch some flack later. But uh, so as we, as we head out with Jacob on this journey into a relationship with Jesus, let's look at point one. We're setting out for Bethel, setting out for Bethel. So uh, picking up in our text, Genesis 28, 10, it says, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. And he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth. With its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And there above it stood the Lord, and he said, this is the Lord speaking, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac, I will give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and south. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I'm with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised you. What, it, what God is doing there is affirming the covenant that he cut with Abraham and Isaac, Okay? Notice, though, what the Lord says. I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. Who's missing? Jacob. Jacob. In Genesis 28, 13, 31, 5, a few more places in chapter 31, then again in 32, verse 9. All these are places where either the Lord is identifying himself or Jacob is wrestling with the identity of God, none of which connect Jacob to being submitted to the lordship of God. None lending itself to a relationship that he has with God. It's still grandpa's God. It's still dad's God. You see that? So, for the first time in 40 years of Jacob's life recorded in Scripture, Jehovah was never referred to as his God. He grew up in a family where grandpa had this covenant that was cut, which I love the covenant because the covenant that God cut with him he actually put Abraham to sleep during it because he didn't want Abraham or us to be responsible for our side. And he he did the covenant with Abraham asleep, but that same covenant that God committed to Abraham has passed down. It continues to this day, but it passed down to Jacob. God is affirming it to him, but we see here very clearly in scripture that there isn't a connection yet to Jacob and his faith in God. So we see, my, I was thinking about this this uh, first service when I recently with my son, he's 18, about to graduate high school, and he and I were having this conversation. Actually, we've had it a couple of times over the last year, where specifically, he, he's been real busy with his life. He's taken a college course, he just finished basketball season, he's got... Um, you know, he's working part-time. He, he serves here on the youth leadership team. He's got a lot going on in his life, and he was telling me how he was struggling with his devotional time. And I just, I said, Bub, that's the first priority. But more than that, we have to know why it should be. Because there's gonna be a day sooner than later now where you're gonna be out on your own, and you're not gonna have mom and dad's faith, and you're not gonna have your dad as a pastor in your household or you i need you to own your relationship with god yeah. it's got to be yours because how many know and maybe you've experienced that a second generation god isn't all that helpful or a third generation god isn't all that helpful when you get out on your own you got to have your he's got to be yours so he sets out on his own and this is where we see Uh, right after the dream. This is verse 16 of chapter 28. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. How many have had that experience before? God was there, but you weren't aware of it. I have he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? There's none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the place Bethel, which means house of God. Though the city used to be called Luz or Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, listen to this, if God will be with me, and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking, and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. Isn't that interesting? And this stone that i set up as a pillar will be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. There's tithing again before the law. But I think it's interesting how we sometimes are like Jacob, we try to cut deals with God. Now God had already affirmed the covenant with him in the prior scripture, right? One thing I love about God is he never it's never up to our performance. Right? Now there are things that require our obedience. But there but God has already shown himself to Jacob and said, "I'm going to affirm the covenant I cut with your dad and your grandfather." But here's Jacob, Jacob being Jacob. Cutting a deal. I got a plan. All right, well, God, if, if, if you'll do these things for me, then you can be my God. And I like how God doesn't strike him dead, to be honest with you. <laughs> how many have cut deals with God before? All right, one of the things as I prayed over this message that the Holy Spirit put right in front of me for you today was to remind some of you of deals that you've made with God. Now listen to my heart, listen real close. We're not talking about a judgmental, angry God who's annoyed with you because you didn't pick up your end of the bargain. But some of you in this room, like me, have said, well, God, if you'll get me through this financial situation, I'll serve you. God, if you'll get me through this really horrible health situation, I'll serve you. God, if you'll get me through this God-awful 2020 I'll serve you. (laughs) God, if you'll, if, 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 like Jacob, then. And I'm just here to remind you the Holy Spirit was on me this week about this. In all sincerity, with all gentleness and grace, God's saying, I did my part. It's our turn. Let that simmer. (laughs) In there a little bit. <laughs> and I mean it. I've done it too, guys, okay? No condemnation, just for reflection, thoughtful analysis of our life, because we're like Jacob. We're fallen flesh, right? But even after this supernatural encounter, incredibly, Jacob still is only willing to relate to Yahweh and his through his dad and his grandfather. And he's, he makes the statement essentially in this text, I'll decide after I evaluate your performance, God. How many of us have done that? Well, if you do, if it comes out the way I want it to, if it looks like this, if I'm at this place, if I get this job, if I have this person in my life, if I, if I, if, then, the problem is then never comes. Right. Because, You can't get a revelation of God and a relationship with God through something that you attain on this earth. I didn't even say that in the first service, so that's free. Y'all get that one for free. I'm convinced, guys, that the majority of us Christians stay in Bethel. Bethel's good. Jacob has a revelation of God in Bethel that changes him. But we still see him wrestling with this, is he gonna be my God, or is he dad and grandpa's God? Bethel is necessary, but it can't be the destination. That's good. We can't have just a house of God relationship with God. Again, hear my heart. I'm not beating you up with this. This is where I've lived too. And I'm gonna share you some of my story. But we, this is not the goal. The goal is not to know, because at this point, now Jacob knows we're talking about God here, right? He knows there is one, and he certainly knows he's seen God's hand on his family. But he's still not in a place yet. He's still in Bethel. Why do we stay in Bethel? Just some thoughts. Complacency is one of them for sure. I'll just stay here. It looks hard, right? Fear, maybe we feel like it'll cost us too much. Maybe we've had the wrong image of God. I know I did at one time. I grew up in a denomination that we had youth rallies where they would say things like, you know, if if you walk out there and you get hit by a car tonight and you die, are you going to heaven or hell? <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> well, I want to go to heaven. So <laughs> I'd sprint down the altar again, you know? I was, I was over-saved, <laughs> I think, at one point in my life. Because every time I went to a hell house, I got saved. Every time I went to a youth rally, I got saved, just in case. Because <laughs> Lord knows I do not want to miss it, right? Anybody identify with that? OK, most of us in this room, I'm, I'm gauging. <laughs> but but this, is, this is the thing. We, we relate to God through sometimes these unhealthy lenses. And that's part of what keeps us distant. That's why we stay in Bethel. Because this is kind of safe. Like, I, I mean, he's God. He's my savior, even. I'm not talking about lost people. I'm not people that have come to faith. But I'd rather keep him over there because uh, maybe I have the wrong image of him as a judgmental, angry father who's ready to just flick me off the planet. Right? Or maybe I, I've, I've got a cloak of shame. Or maybe I'm dealing with something that just I can't get over a name that I've been called, like Jacob. I can tell you this. I thought I really knew God. I did. I grew up in church, guys. I was a PK. I could win at the sword drills. Anybody know what sword drills are, by the way? Like Bible drills, okay? Four of you. Um, Like Bible trivia, more or less. I, I did all the right things, but all I really truly had was a firm grip on religion. I didn't have a firm grip on God's heart. I'd had genuine encounters with God, life-changing ones. I was a Christian. I was saved, but I was still in Bethel. I was still at the house of God relationship with them. And I didn't mean to. Like Most of it was ignorance. I think that's where a lot of us kind of stay here as well. Like, we don't know there's anything more than that. Well, I, I got my ticket punched. Like, we're good. You know, let's get this show on the road, right? But I'm here to tell you there's another place to go. A generation removed, God, might get you into heaven, but it will not get you through much here on planet Earth. When the fit hits the sham, I had to think about it. I'm not as fast as pastor with all that. Every time he says that, I go. "Mm." (laughs) Um, But when it does, he'd better be your God, okay? So fortunately, Bethel's not the destination. We're not supposed to stay in Bethel. God's calling us further. So point number two, I've called finding Penuel. Say Penuel. Penuel. I've looked over this and studied the scripture before, but we're gonna discover this place together. So Jacob goes to Laban, so think about this. He he heads off to Laban's. God does his part of the bargain. Jacob goes from having nothing to being one of the most prosperous people in in Bible times. He has sheep, goats, rams, bulls, he has servants. This is a wealthy, very influential guy now, okay? But at this point in the story, Laban and Laban has deceived him, you know, by by tricking him into the worst wife swap in Bible times. Uh, when he married, they swapped him for his older daughter Leah, and then he had to work, you know, more to to earn uh, Rachel, his his first pick, I guess. <laughs> Bibles, you can't make this stuff up, man. You know, <laughs> Bibles entertaining if you read it the right way. Um, but all this is past, you know. And and I, I wanted to point out, you know. Jacob was all irritated that Laban deceived him, but you know, you you reap what you sow. And Jacob was a deceiver. He just reap what you sow. So at this point in the story, he flees Laban's. He's kind of done there. He decides to take off and go back to his family as God instructed him. God instructed him to go. And this is, along this way back, (laughs) he encounters Esau and 400 men. And all of the old memories come back. Oh, stink. He's gonna kill me. He's got 400 men waiting for me. And I just thought as I studied this, I wrote this note down to share from you, with you. It's a nugget, it's free. But God will always send us in a direction that puts us face to face with our past fears, struggles, and struggles, and uses them to propel us Into our future and destiny. There's there's no getting around it. There's no sidestepping it. God always brings us back. That's why it's important to face those things with him. He's always with us through them if we involve him, if we let him into it. But this same thing is now in front of Jacob again, and he's facing Esau, and it's not looking good. And we pick the story up in chapter 32, verse 9. It says, Then Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me again, even after all this time, after all that God has blessed him with, prospered him with, everything he's done for him, it's still not his God. It's still dad's God, grandpa's God. You said to me, go back to your country and your relatives. I'll make you prosper. I'm unworthy of the kindness and faithfulness you've shown to your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two camps. Very, very wealthy, very prosperous. Again, he left with nothing, returning now with much. But he says, see what that'll get you? Nothing. Because he's still in the same place, right? He says, save me. I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers of their children. But remember, God, you said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. Just in case you forgot Jesus, remember, if he kills my family, you can't fulfill your promise, right? Still Jacob being Jacob. Got an angle, right? Remember, God, if, if, they, you know, if they assault my family and kill us all, then you're, you're, what you said ain't going to happen. Just an observation. Let that bless you. But after all this time, he still hasn't wrestled down to the fact that this God of his dad and of his grandfather, he hasn't let him in. So, Jacob does what Jacob does. He gets goats, cows, donkeys, ewes, rams, bulls. He builds this big peace offering, sends it ahead. He tells them, Make sure you space it out a little bit because I want to be way back here in the back watching. (laughs) You know? If it doesn't go well, I can still tuck tail and run, right? This is Jacob, guys. This is who he is. Again, we can all identify with him, right? And he says, I will send this offering to, quote, pacify him. In other words, manipulate him because that's what Jacob does. And so he also sends Leah, Rachel, his son's servants, and all of his possessions across the Jabbok, which was a a tributary of the Jordan. This is the picture I want you to see in this. Jacob now, having originally left his mom and dad's house with nothing, now comes to this place where he seemingly has everything, and now he's sent it all across the Jabbok, and he's there by himself. And the Jabbok literally means, that word means pouring out. I believe God has poured him out. So now it's just him and Jacob again. We're back to where we started, bub. You got nothing. And so this is where we pick up in verse 24. And it says, so Jacob was left alone. And I'm not sure what was scarier facing the potential death of Esau or facing God alone, but we'll see how it kind of plays out. And it says, a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Now, most theologians agree this was a Christophany, which is a new, an Old Testament appearance of Jesus. But whether you believe that or you believe it was an angel of God or whatever, it doesn't really matter so much, except that um, my opinion is it was Jesus coming down Um, So that's where I'm coming from. but uh, And I, I support that with the idea that Jesus, you know, recorded in Scripture here, he touches Jacob's hip, and all it takes is a touch to knock it out of socket. I've never seen a guy that strong, so just saying. But in this passage, it says, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Now, in the Bible, the hip represented power and strength. So now you've got everything Jacob owns is gone. And now his strength is gone. He is poured out. Okay. Then the man said, let me go for its daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What's the blessing he's wanting here? Protection. Cause he thinks he's about to be annihilated. Right. And then the man asked, what's your name? Now, that seems like an odd question. I will not let you go unless you bless me. What's your name? <laughs> now, you've heard pastors say this, and I've said it before, but when, when God or Jesus ask a question, they're not looking for information, right? You can remember Adam and Eve, you know, when he comes down after, after the, the bite of the fruit, where he says, where are you guys at? Did he not know where they were? what he's, God asked questions to get us to look inside, right? When, it, when, it with a, Ezekiel was like, can these bones live? Was it a question of whether he could make them live? Or was he asking, you know, Ezekiel, do you have enough faith that these bones can live? And this is what's going on here. He's not asking Jacob his name. He's asking Jacob who he is, just like he does with all of us. He's asking, can you be honest with me about who you are? And so Jacob answers, Jacob, I'm deceiver. I'm manipulator. I'm conniver. All right? God's always looking for us to be honest with him. He knows. But sometimes he's still got to ask the question. I love Jesus' answer, though. He says, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you've struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? And I think the reason Jesus phrased it that way is because I think Jacob knew who he was dealing with. It's like, why do you ask my name? You know who I am. Mark's opinion. You can search that out for yourself. Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, which means face of God, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Another indication of why I feel like this is Jesus is if you can, if he felt like his life was in danger by seeing his face, that implies a much more significant authority. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel and he was limping because of his hip. And I think he was limping because it was a constant reminder, not on your strength, Jacob. On mine. Not on yours any longer because I've changed your name. You're not deceiver anymore. You're not manipulator anymore. And Jacob has spent his whole life, if you read the whole story of Jacob, I mean, at Laban's, all points in between. This guy, that's all he knew how to do was scheme and manipulate and connive, even in spite of what God was doing in his life. But here's what I want you to take away from this. Not only does he know Jacob's name, but he knows his history. He knows our story. He's asking if Jacob, put yourself in Jacob's seat, he's asking you, have you wrestled sufficiently with your own identity long enough? Are you still Jacob the deceiver or are you ready to become Israel? That's what he's asking them. True identity only comes from identifying and knowing the one who made us. If we let the world identify us or if we try to identify ourselves, it gets wonky in a hurry, guys. We can only know, I think it was said this way one time, the, the, the creation is only known from the, the heart of the creator. The only way you can find your identity is to be found in him. That's what happened this day for Jacob. He finally came face to face Guys, I'm talking about the difference between a Bethel relationship and a Peniel relationship. Bethel's good. I can probably get to heaven from here. Peniel is the goal. Because I want to come face to face with him because I want to know who I am. I want to know what I'm called to do on this planet because this heaven's not the end goal in relationship to where God has us positioned on this planet it is absolutely a goal. But along the way, he has an assignment for you. There's work to be done here. Then we spend the rest of eternity celebrating it. We want to have a penial relationship with God. Because in pineal is where we come face to face with ourselves through the reflection of God's face. It's just like I was talking about my son when he, I leaned down to him and kind of cupped his face. It's a very gentle conversation, but it's, hey, I've got something to tell you. But we got to quit being so busy. Running, going, doing all the things, talking. And in Jacob's case, manipulating, scheming, running from. The fight was over as soon as Jacob acknowledged his true condition. And God gave him a new name. Do you know you have a new name? Revelations 2.17 says, I'll give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. God has a name picked out for you. And it's nothing you know. It's not what your mom and daddy named you. It's not what you named you. It's what he, how he sees you. It's what he calls you. Opinion relationship will radically change you. It radically changed Jacob. We see Jacob go from Jacob being Jacob to all of a sudden now he's Israel. What is the difference? Well, instead of him hanging back at the back, letting everybody go first, putting his kids in danger, his wife in danger, his servants in danger, putting everybody out in front of him, all of a sudden in scripture, the very next day after the encounter, he goes to the front. And he bows before his brother. And I don't think he knew what was going to happen. I think he was fully prepared. If this is it, I'm going to go out leading my family. And he went to the front. And what happened? Esau embraced him. And they wept together. I love the fact that God answered Jacob's prayer on top of blessing him. The picture I want you to see here is, like many of us, like Jacob, He was struggling for a blessing. That's you and me. A financial blessing, a spiritual blessing, a relational blessing, a physical blessing. And I love the picture this paints because Jesus is wrestling with him, but the wrestling is for something altogether different. Because while we're wrestling and we're struggling for the blessing, Jesus is struggling for FaceTime. He's wanting us to see Him face to face. Because if we do, we'll never be the same. That level of friendship goes far beyond Savior, far beyond Provider. It brings it down. Abraham, his great grandfather, was called friend in the scripture three times. This is his heritage. It's our heritage to be a friend of God, not just a servant, amen? The next thing you see him do after meeting with Esau and them having the brotherly hug fest and and all that, is you see him go In verse 20 of chapter 33, he sets up an altar, and he called that altar El Elohi Israel, which translated means God, the God of Israel. He finally made his decision. It's a declaration of Jacob making his decision known. Because remember, Israel wasn't a nation yet. Israel was Jacob. He was saying, God, now you're my God. And I'll serve you from here on. And we see that evidenced a few chapters over in Exodus where God appears to Moses. And this is God's words. He says to Moses, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever forever the name that you shall call me from generation to generation. Imagine your name being linked to the Most High. I believe it's because this circle of family, God saw his friends. God saw this radical change in Jacob that brought him into close friendship with God. The difference between a Bethel relationship and a Peniel relationship is everything. Because Jesus becomes far more than just our savior or any of those other things, he becomes our close friend. I want you to stand with me as we close. I'm gonna share a, I didn't share this in the first service, but I want, I feel prompted to. I'm just gonna be really honest, really transparent with you. I'm going on 46 years old. been a pastor here at this church for almost as of the beginning of May, five years. And here's what I'll tell you. Up until about three years ago, I was in Bethel. Didn't mean to. I had a burden of my heart to, to know that there was more, to know that there was more of God than what I had, But I didn't have that revelation. I was camping out in Bethel. And about three years ago, a different journey began. And I've had people ask me lately, what's up with you, man? People that are my friends, you know. What's up with you, bro? You're like, what's going on with you? And I just tell them, I'm on my way to Peniel. And if you get nothing else out of what I say today, guys, I want you to take this thought with you there's more than where you are. If you're tired of wrestling with yourself, if you're tired of struggling with yourself, like I was, being frustrated because you feel like, I'm a pastor. I should have this all together, right? Wrong. Pastor's just a title. I just, I want you to encourage you to take the journey because it's worth it. Because when you start taking it, God reveals more purpose in you. He shows you things that you never could have imagined that he had for you. But bigger than that, he becomes your God that they'll never be able to wrestle away from you. Bow your heads with me if you would. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you that your desire for all of us is to take us from Bethel, the house of God, to Peniel, the face of God. And I pray, Father, that in my feeble attempt to convey this message, that it would land in fertile soil in the hearts of your people and take root and create a hunger. Father, there's more of you, that you are not a religion. You're not a set of rules. You're not a church house that we go to. Lord God, you are a caring, compassionate friend that's close, that sticks closer than a brother. Lord, you said of us, in John fifteen fifteen, you no longer call us servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, you called us friends. For everything that you've learned from your father, you have made known to us. So I pray that you'd make that known to us. So guys, I want you to hear the voice of the Lord as we've been endeavoring to do today. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want you to hear the call. Penal moments don't come along all the time. Today's a day for you, though. Today's a day for you to take the step Jacob took, that I've taken, that many others have taken, and make a declaration that, you know, I'm, I'm no longer going to be connected to God through my dad's God or my grandfather's God or a family member or a pastor or a youth pastor or someone that I know or a friend, I'm going to choose him for me. I'm going to make him my God. And knowing that when I do, he'll make himself known to you just like he did Jacob. If there are others here that maybe you haven't made it to Bethel yet, but maybe you know you want to, you know that there's more to life than where you're living. Maybe, maybe you've been given a name by someone. Maybe you've named yourself, but you know that that's not the way you want to continue to go. You know there's something more for you. There's something better. And I'm here to tell you there is. It's a relationship with the God of Bethel and the God of Pinuel. And if that's you today, I just want to pray for you. I want you to slip up your hand. Let me pray for you in this moment. Thank you. Anyone else? Just pray something like this for me, if that was you. Jesus, I give you all I am and all I'm not. Like Jacob, I pour myself out because I've got nothing by myself. But with you, I have everything. So I pray that you'd forgive me of any sin, any junk in my past, anything I've done wrong. Wash me clean with the blood that you gave for me on the cross. I declare you as my Lord and my Savior. And I know that you want to be my very best friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, guys, my challenge to you is don't let this message fall on the thorny ground. Don't let the seed get stolen from you. Do something with it. Take initiative within your own relationship with Jesus to search him out. Don't take my word for it. Take his. Pastor and I never want everything that we say on this weekend to be the only thing you ever hear. That's why, that's what transfers ownership. If you just take what I say, I mean, I could be wrong. But if you and Jesus work it out, it'll change you forever. So that's my encouragement to you to do that this week. Amen. All right. It's a big week. It's Easter week. Can I get a witness? Amen. All right. It's going to be a party up in here next week. So here's what you do. Go this week, love and serve the people around you, whether it's at work, it's at home, wherever it is. If you need a place to serve, you want to get connected with us, Monday and Thursday are still open with the gas stations. Like I said, we'll be at Monday's event if you want to come hang out with us. Otherwise, love on your neighbors, bake some cookies, do some yard work, whatever. Just show Jesus wherever you go and know that we love you and that we will see you here next weekend to celebrate the Resurrection of our Lord. Amen.